Today's episode of In the Trenches is brought to you by System 12 Guitar Method. Sign up today at RyanRoxy.com. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello, 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 hello. My name is Ryan Roxy and welcome to another live stream episode of In the Trenches. We are dealing with foreign internet today, foreign Wi-Fi. One more week of me being out here on the road and I'm going to do a few shows back home and then we're on the road in uh, Europe. So who knows what the Wi-Fi will bring there, but the challenges are always uh, there in the trenches, but who cares? I'm excited. I'm excited about today's because I'm here. I am. This is officially called the hangover uh, series hangover episode. First time I've really um, ever been this sort of hungover uh, doing the podcast because I'm not used to uh, airing it so much in the uh, morning hours. I'm on the West Coast right now. But um, again, if you are listening to us on one of the audio broadcasts, thank you very much. But where we really want you is right here in the trenches at the Ryan Roxy official YouTube channel. That's Ryan Roxy official. Vic, our producer, just put up that link. Hopefully you can see it. Um, Hopefully my feed is coming through okay. If it isn't, guess what? You got me on audio and you can just sort of see the pixelated version of me. But the guest that we have, you definitely will want to see in full living color. Because uh, like I said, this is one of the first podcasts where we've done, where I've been able to see our guests perform the night before. And uh, let me tell you, his show is great. You're definitely going to want to see him when he comes to a town near you or when you guys come to Los Angeles. Um, I just saw him at the comedy store last night. Um, Like I said, I'm still hungover. Let's just file this one under the hangover episodes folder and uh, start enjoying the ride. Okay. Um, Here we are. I'm going to bring in our guest to talk the naked truth about the fine line between comedy and rock and roll and how we met. And um, of course, we'll talk about Stefan Adika as well. So <laughs> don't hit that. Don't hit that pause button just yet. Please welcome into the trenches, Mr. Earl Skakel. Hello, Earl. The pleasure is all mine. I'm glad that we're on a sort of slow go. Was this a slow burn right now? Because ah, for a guy that's never drank or done drugs, because you said that on stage last night, is that true? Yes, I've never had a sip of alcohol. I've never had a cigarette. Uh, I've certainly inhaled enough secondhand marijuana smoke at various comedy rooms. <laughs> uh, but uh, my insides are are pretty pure. I'm uh, like a smaller version of Kane Roberts. Well, we're going to talk about Kane as well, because you do, my friend, you do have a a really close-knit relationship with not just heavy metal, not just uh, hard rock, 80s rock, but uh, the Alice Cooper band in particular. You even brought the bear to prove it. So even though you've never drank or done drugs or anything like that, you were very inspirational in uh, having me and my buds drink uh, and drink even more because we were enjoying the show so much when we saw you last night at, up at the store um, right on Sunset Boulevard. 
there you are performing the comedy. No, that's not the comedy store, but uh, it's some sort of stage somewhere. But my uh, question to you was actually not my question, my comment. Thank you very much for inviting us out to the show. It kicked ass. You you did great last night. It was really great. Oh, well, I appreciate that. Uh, I was really nervous before last night because I got to see you perform. On the, the, yeah. And uh, I was like, they showed me such a good time. I mean, you guys killed it. And uh, Ace was great before you guys. But I was there to see you guys, Anita and, and everyone else. And uh, I was like, Jesus, I hope I don't bomb in front of these guys. Because, uh, you know, when, when you go on last at the comedy store, it, it's a tough spot. Because, you know, <laughs> you're following every comic that was on before me is on TV, movies, uh, Joe Rogan's podcast. So you have to get the crowd within the first minute or they leave by the dozen. Yeah. That's the thing. They've been on, they've been there pretty much for a couple hours. You know, they've watched a lot of comedy and they're looking for their, their exit. Cause nobody wants to be disrespectful and leave right during a show, but it's not like a rock show where you can sort of leave in the darkness and sort of just fade out in the darkness. So when you're the last band on, you know, (laughs) it just thins like you know the top of my hair or whatever and it just thins really gradually at the comedy store if you go on last people are making a beeline before you actually start telling jokes but then you made a good thing about it because more people actually started filing in uh to fill those seats with the few people that did uh you know i I, they didn't bail they were just i just feel that there you get beat up by comedy you know, and it's hard going on last, like you said. Oh, it's brutal. A lot of people would consider, oh, you're headlining. And it's like, no, that's going on last. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but like the guy who went on before me, Ian Edwards, he's had multiple Netflix specials, uh, Rogan's podcast multiple times, uh, late night, many, many late night comedy appearances. So he's very tough to follow. And and the, the girl before him, same thing, multiple late night spots on TV. So I think when they hear, here's the last comic, it's like, oh, they must not be very good. <laughs> Give him or her one minute. And then we look where the exits are. And we make like Carl Lewis out of the blocks. <laughs> well, I can assure you, dude, you were so good last night and i was laughing the whole time i actually made a sound effect that you act, you had to incorporate into the um into this into the bit because i actually had my rings on and i made this stupid sound like i was laughing so hard i pounded on the table and you were like is the building coming crashing down or something like that so i mean it's yeah it is like a you know for a band playing my on a three bill band, because I feel you, the middle slot is always the best. And yes. when, when we did that final Motley Crue tour, when it was, you know, we, whether it was the Raskins um, or, you know, that we had opening as the band and then Alice Cooper would go on and then Motley would go on as the, you know, they are legitimate headliners, of course, but that sweet spot is that middle slot. Is that the same with comedy? Yeah, and like, because you guys are so good live, and I'm not just saying that. I mean, you guys really are an amazing band. Even a band like Motley Crue, I'm sure struggles a little bit 
in the first couple songs because you guys leave uh, a hard act to follow. And even for Motley Crue, it's, it's tough to follow. So, uh, you know, in comedy, you don't want to go on first because they're still getting their drink orders and settling in, getting the layout of the room. So they're not really focused on you yet. And then, you know, going on last, you know, like last night, I think there were 12 comics on the show. So it's a little different. You know, they're tired. They've heard every crowd work question. They've heard every political joke, uh, every modern event joke. So you have to hit them in the head with a hammer uh, that first minute or they'll just leave because they're tired. And, you know, especially on a work night, I'm assuming most people from last night had to get up this morning and work. So they're looking for any excuse you give them to leave. But guess what, man? Out of those 12 comics there last night, I know of only one that has his name on the comedy store wall. That's like a faster pussycat reference, right? I love it. You got your name on the comedy store wall. I mean, it's, I uh, I don't know what the music equivalent would be. Maybe getting your handprints at the guitar center or or something uh, of that nature. Uh, Or I guess the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, that's how, I mean, the comedy store is the number one club in the world. Um, And every comic, from New York to LA to the UK to Canada, uh, anywhere in the world, they want their names on that wall. So the only thing I can equate it to that I think people would get is it's like getting your name on the Stanley cup in hockey. Like it's never taken off. My name will be in the front of that building. Cause I had to wait so long to get past. My name is literally in the front of the building because that was the only place left to put the names. Um, <laughs> now let me ask you that is there is it like sort of a political process like the way you would um get your name or your uh you get your name on the hollywood boulevard is there a voting process or do you just have to blow somebody both um okay. and i've got big lips so uh, <laughs> i mean it can be political like i don't have a manager or an agent or any representation so it's a little harder to do it that way. You know, you have a lot of managers uh, calling the booker, hey, I'd like my client to get past at the comedy store. And if they're a big enough manager, you know, Three Arts or William Morris or, you know, the big places like that, it's a little easier. But someone like me who has no one calling for them, you have to be passed based on your comedy talent. So, uh, you know, at times, and, I and you I just could. have to be there, and, and you have to be in the trenches. Because I mean, we've known each other now, and that's where we're going to start with um, g- going back to get forward. We've known each other now for since the damn has to be late '80s, early mid '80s, somewhere around then. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, around on the strip, and I think I met you. Uh, I forget who introduced us to each other. It might have been Eric Singer. Uh, well, here we go. This is what this is where we begin everything. We have to go back to get forward. What do you say? That is a true life sample of Gilby Clark's Harley that we got for that bit. Oh, I thought that was Gilby Clark leaving the Viper room the other night when they said, <laughs> "Hey, we want you to play with us at one a.m." Okay, <laughs> that's. I know we. And folks, 
both Earl and I went to the Viper Room um, because they are, apparently this is the last week that they're going to have bands there. Who knows if that's true or not? Because it doesn't look like they're ready to tear that block down. You know, it doesn't look like it. But you I never mean, know. If they, they did. Move, they move so fast in the strip in terms of demolition. Uh, I mean, I remember when the House of Blues uh, looked like, oh, they're, they're going to be in business a few more years or a few more months. And it was demoed within a week. Like, it was gone. So, uh but- I mean, that place, that the liquor store in the corner, right next to it, the Viper Room, it used to be called the Central. You do know that it is it is right there featured on the Sweet Desolation Boulevard album cover. Do you know that oh, that's it? Yeah. And it was also uh, in the movie Valley Girl, uh, where Nicolas Cage takes the girl to watch the Plimsolls. Uh, so when it was, it was still called the Central back then. And uh, yeah, you know, it's an iconic I mean, it's it'll be a sad day when that goes. And I've seen the plans for what's going to be put there. It, it's, it's, it's a monster. An amazing Chipotle. As yeah. long as it's not a CVS there, man. Come on. I would love that. That's you would love it. <laughs> I'm going back to get forward. And um, that's how I wanted to clear up things. Because as we said you, earlier, you've never done a drink, a drug, nothing like that. Um, apparently when we met, that's all I did. So so I can't remember, obviously it's a little bit hazy for me what our initial meeting was, but I know it had something to do with this band that Vic is gonna put a picture up of called The Peppermint Creeps. Am I correct in saying at least that? Uh, yes, it's, uh, they were at the tail end of uh... There you go. <laughs> I think the first night out we ever had with each other, uh, because it's kind of a long story, but I'll, I'll, I'll try and trim some of the fat. Uh, the great Eric Singer messages me about 4 p.m. on a Saturday, and he's like, hey, I've got two tickets to go see Kiss. Do you want them? And I thought he was offering them to me for free. I'm like, Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's kiss so how could it be free and he's like it's a hundred bucks each gene made me buy the tickets i'm like you were in the band a year ago like <laughs> my tickets to go see the band you were in uh so i go over to where he and i think brent fitz were living uh, together at the time and uh he he makes me buy both tickets i'm like well I couldn't find anyone to go. I don't need two tickets. He's like, you have to buy both. So he was grinding me in, in his uh, garage. <laughs> and so, I, I, I mean, out of control, this guy. I mean, he's got yeah. money for Badlands Records. You, you need an extra hundred bucks. Uh, Dude. So. Eric Singer still has per diem from like the Brutal Planet tour. I can, <laughs> I can guarantee you that. <laughs> I mean... I think he still sells bootleg Black Sabbath shirts from his condo. Um, so Laker thought, jerseys too. He he does have a line. <laughs> he does have a line of discount Laker jerseys that I'm sure he sells. But you know, I don't want to make this a complete interview about Eric Singer. But I do want to point out the fact that he did charge you for two Kiss tickets. I love that. <laughs> no, I love him. Uh, and then he goes. So I take the two tickets and I start leaving. He's like, where are you going? I'm like, 
I'm going to the concert. I just bought two tickets for. And he's like, can you give me and my friends a ride? I'm like, this is out of control. <laughs> like, was I, one of the, I was one of the friends, I think. Probably. Yes. If I'm him, I go, listen, buy one ticket since you're driving us to Anaheim, which from, I think, North Hollywood, that's, an, that's a close to an hour trip, a couple bucks in gas. I was like, take one ticket. I'll, I'll eat the rest. Uh, I mean, it's not like he doesn't work and, and needs the cash. Yeah. So getting into my Ford Expedition, are you? Teddy Zigzag, which instantly cost me more in gas, given his birth. <laughs> uh, Stefan Adika, and I believe one more. There was five of us. Pretty much and, everybody that's been on my podcast. <laughs> and yeah. Eric's in the front seat telling me how to drive. Dude, you're pressing the gas too much. Dude, you're putting the brake on too much. Put on this music. Put on that music. Here, Here's this band, Shark Island, I want you to listen to. I'm like... Uh, good band by the way shark island really good song uh i think it was burning in paris but the, the singer of that band shark island just a little side note and this is what i love about the podcast because we have zero sort of form or zero sort of schedule we can just go off in these tangents but i i remember that uh, there it is a a uh, direct message from eric singer probably trying to sell you <laughs> something um that the singer if there was no singer in shark island there might not be an axel rose because that's, I don't know if you ever saw, uh, what's his name, Robert? Do you remember Richard his name? Black. Richard Black. You ever see him do his moves early on, dude? All that stuff. And I know I'm not supposed to do this, Vic, because I have really bad internet. And I'm going to probably mess up the entire Wi-Fi. But that, that's part of the moves that he got from uh, Richard Black from Shark Island. Just a little side well, note. I, I saw them, to continue that side note, last week at the Whiskey. Um you're back now it's well it, it's the the it's not even the original bass player because it, it's the the bass player when they release their big album in 89 so uh law of the order uh nah. i i went because i'd always heard the rumors that you know axel took all this guy's moves and i'm telling you i'm not trying to uh create controversy here but from the second he got on the stage he still got the moves and I don't know if I agree with his wardrobe choices of a, uh, a do rag and a, uh, like a camouflage, uh, Nike, uh, sweatshirt, but, uh, you know, he does the moves and he does these mic twirls. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I that love was that. Not Shark, by the way, that was not shark Island last week at the whiskey. That was shark Island when I saw them back in the eighties, but thank you, Vic, for getting that's quick. That's quick internet research, man. Uh, yeah. I mean, it was, I think the bass player and Richard black and then, uh, uh, Alex Kane, who's like a legend on the sunset strip. He's uh, been on, he's been on the podcast. We love Alex Kane. He was there. At the at right, right at the Viper Room right now. Eric Singer is yeah. blowing up your Instagram right now. I think. Yeah, on? sorry about that. I don't know how to mute that. Uh, it's, Notifications. We're, kind of, we're a low budget yeah. production here at Skakel Manor. Uh, <laughs> but I'm telling hey, you, man, you have the same production value that Glenn Sobel has. I mean, in fact, the kitchen. 
backdrop is very much similar to uh, Glenn Sobel's. So I would say that both of you have a very nice, uh, and you have a backstage pass of who? Uh, the, Bobby Glenn's? Rock gave me this from the Vinnie Vincent invasion when he came on the pod. Well, that's the thing. You do have your own podcast as well, don't you now? And that's that's sort of what you are. are that's just one of the many things that you're doing. Uh, tell us about your podcast. Well, it's just called Inappropriate Earl. And uh, it's it's the podcast that's about everything but nothing at the same time. Like I've had uh, uh, many rock and rollers on Stephen Piercy, uh, uh, Fred Corey, uh, Joey Allen from Warrant. And I've and then I have pro wrestlers on because I'm a big uh, pro wrestler fan. And uh, yeah, I've had athletes on, a lot of comics, of course. Uh, so, you know, everyone has a podcast. So I'm just following the trends. Yeah, I'm exactly like you. I feel that podcasts are like herpes. Uh, pretty much everybody has one. Yeah, I mean, my gardener has a podcast. So uh he tells you how to landscape on the you know, on the sly, and uh, I can't believe Eric Singer doesn't have a podcast for a guy who talks as much as he does. He could, he should have seven podcasts. The problem is he wouldn't let anybody else talk, or he would answer everybody else's questions for them. So it it you know I just can't believe he doesn't do stand up. That's what he should he should just be up there on stage by himself telling people what to do. Yeah, it'd be the first four hour stand up set. I mean that guy's out of control. <laughs> So then I, I got to finish the story, though. That's how we wrap it in. We wrapped it back into Eric Singer driving down the car with Teddy and Stefan. And, and he's, he's beating you up for tickets. So how do we end up there? So we get to the arena. The, at the time, it was called the Pond, where uh, the Mighty Ducks play. And uh, uh, he starts playing in the arena with you guys. And I'm like, hey, I got to. I got to sell this extra ticket. Uh, so I have to go across the street where all the scalpers are. And it's brutal there. I don't know if you've ever stood with those guys, but uh, I think the credit, the credit score of that corner of the parking lot's about one thirty, And uh, it's low. Very so low. I just wanted to get my money back. And so I sell mine uh, extra ticket for about a hundred bucks. Uh, I meet you guys at the seats. And then this guy sits next to me halfway through the concert. Clearly, this was the guy who bought from the scalpers. He looks at me and goes, hey, bro, how much did you pay for your ticket? And I thought, oh, man, this guy got taken. I'm just going to lie and say, oh, my friend gave it to me. He knows Kisses Brody. How much did you pay for your ticket? $750 the guy paid. So, uh, And I'm sure Singer got a cut of that, too. <laughs> so we were on the losing end of that. Definitely. And Where do then, I, I, how did the Put Peppermint Creeps work into that story? Or was that a completely different time? No, no. That's at the end of the show. And it was great watching you guys watch Kiss. Because uh, it was like you guys were fans. Like all you guys are successful uh, working musicians. And I remember looking at you. And I think Bobby Blotzer was sitting next to you randomly. And, and the guy uh, Snake Sabo from uh, Skid Row was, I think, behind me. And, and it was neat for me. A, a total non-musician to see you guys looking like kids because everyone of our age range loves kiss uh you know just i i think people forget you know like i'm 53 so i saw kiss in their absolute prime you know they were as big as the beatles were at 
for a, a brief period in the States, uh, you know, putting out four solo albums in one day. I, I don't think any band's ever done that before. Uh, well, what was your, what was your kiss uh, enlightening moment? Because mine was too, I'm, and, and I'm a couple years older than you. Um, I was born in 65. But the thing is, I think just because of your size, you're a taller gentleman. Um, why is that size? You seem to be, I just look at you as more uh, mature, maybe because you never drank or did drugs. You you seem more responsible. You seem, oh, well, maybe not in that picture. I'm not sure. But uh, you do seem to be older than me in some ways. But then uh, we both have the exact same reference points. I was afraid of Kiss Alive, the, the, with the, the big album that came out. So I didn't really get all in and lean all in until Love Gun. What was your Kiss album that you just leaned all the way in? Alive 2, because I was obsessed with specifically how Gene looked. Uh, you know, they had the four pictures. Yeah, and this just looked like, you know, he had this great, like his lower jaw was jetting out, and uh, and then Ace looked angelic almost because I think it was like orange lighting, and uh, Peter looked, uh, I don't know where he, I don't know where the photographer told him to look, but he was looking in the opposite <laughs> way. I don't think, I don't think Peter had photo approval at that point. I just think Gene and Paul, yeah, just use that photo. That'll be fine. And Paul looked like, you know, Paul, you know, like the, the front man that he is. And uh, now, but the first album I bought, like with my own money, was Lick It Up. So that's, I almost identify with both those albums, like at weird, you know, that was a completely different time frame for Kiss, taking off the makeup. And uh, I mean, look at Peter. He looks like he's looking at his account going to the check clear. <laughs> What he's dude? If if you took the makeup off, I think that would actually be Stephen Adler. Oh well, I used to live in a building with Stephen Adler. Uh, oh. I mean, he hit me up once for ten dollars in the lobby, and I'm like, I know enough about the music business where he got publishing on Appetite. I'm like, dude, I should be asking you for money, and he's in my lobby at this building in Century City with holes in his socks, these leggings that I think he got from Jermaine Stewart, the guy who's saying, we don't have to take our clothes off. Uh, <laughs> and like, what is this deal with drummers? It. What is this deal with drummers wanting to take you and, and, and sort of, you know, soak you for money? Well, the only drummer it's who has twice. it, Brent Fitz, who I was the best man at his first wedding, uh, you know, he's been the only decent drummer in my life. Um, <laughs> and and Brent Fitz currently plays in Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators on a Sunday afternoon with a Camaro car. How long is their name, by the way? I told uh, Slash uh, when I last saw him, I don't think the band name's long enough. Uh, <laughs> maybe uh, get Izzy Stradlin in the band and call it Slash featuring Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators and the Juju Hounds. With special guest Izzy Stradlin. Right, yeah. yeah. So let's um, ring it back. You know what? Ring it back in. We're still, I, I still need my peppermint creeps story because we actually put up, you know, I went on the internet and Googled a photo of peppermint creeps just to, you know, 
find out how I, did I meet the peppermint creeps that night or was I just was I blotto was I gone at that point what was I doing well I think we all after the kiss concert were like scattered rats uh backstage and I remember I'm in the elevator with the drummer from Slaughter, Blas uh, Elias, and uh, we're looking for <laughs> catering because he was hungry. And, he wasn't. Uh, he wasn't asking you for something. I'm sure he was. No. He had some sort of grift. He's a drummer. He's probably asking you for something. Well, he was asking me where catering was, and uh, I said I'm a big fan. And he looked at me like I was speaking Swahili to him. So, uh, <laughs> you know, somehow we all get back to the car. And uh, singer once again trying to play the DJ. Uh, I I had to get gas by the pond, uh, and of course, uh, singer had alligator fingers when I asked him for some gas money. <laughs> oh yeah, I know those then, alligator fingers. You know what? That that's Eric Singer's money squints. That's another way of saying it because you know when he takes it out, it, it hasn't it, it's it hasn't seen the light of day, so it just squints. Oh, if you ever need to uh, develop a canyon, uh, just have a singer drop a penny in a gopher hole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> wow, this has just turned into a a Eric Singer roast, and he has no idea. Right now, he's probably sleeping somewhere in North Hollywood, going, "Man, this is gonna be a great day." I think the Lakers. Are going to probably make a lot of changes on the next year's roster. And you're going to go, what? What is Skakel and Roxy doing to me? They're ruining me. Right now, he's telling Tommy to get him some coffee. But uh... <laughs> oh man, you had you had some good. You know what? I can tell it's out of love, but you had a couple good comments last night in the show about Kiss and in these bands that uh, you know you grew up listening to. Um, what got you into them just to, you know, from the beginning? What did get you into rock and roll? Well, I mean, Kiss originally did just because they were so big when I was in grade school, which is crazy to me. They're still touring. Like, like I remember buying Love Gun in the fourth grade. Um, that They were my favorite band from the start uh, just because, uh, I don't know about you, you probably have a much uh, re more refined musical palette than I do, but I just want to be entertained. Uh, like yeah. I don't need to hear songs about the rainforest or, you know, uh, like I love Springsteen, but sometimes when he talks about, you know, uh, human rights and all that stuff, which is great. I, I, I don't want, I can yeah. watch the news and hear that. Um, so I just liked how kiss, you know, you don't have to think about what Gene is singing about in Christine 16. Uh, you know, it's not like, yeah. what's he talking about? Uh, a little <laughs> well, he is now actually talking. Couldn't, couldn't really sing about that now. But the thing is, you're, you're exactly right. And here's a little foreshadowing for our European tour that we're about to embark on uh, in the Alice Cooper band. I think sometimes bands should just shut up and rock. Yeah. Uh -huh. Because that's maybe a song that might be worked into our set over there. There's a little Easter egg for you, Alice Cooper fans. But, you know, just shut up and rock and and, and be entertaining. Uh, I personally enjoy any band that is sort of derivative of the Beatles, because right. I think the Beatles did the they did it all perfectly. And, and they did the political stuff as well. But they did the psychedelic stuff, the entertaining, the amazing songs, amazing musicianship. But bands that are sort of offspring of that, I've always been huge fans of. And it includes Alice Cooper um, a bit. He's a big Beatles fan, but also Cheap Trick, 
Oasis, those types of bands as well. Oh, I love Cheap Trick. Like, yeah. uh, I've seen uh, them probably 20 times, always opening for someone, uh, yeah. which I kind of bums me out because like they should have been bigger, like to me, uh, just as it a would, band. There was there was an era, there was a window of like right around Dream Police where they were doing their own arena tour and stuff, but they've always been probably the ultimate support band because they are, you know, they just come on in that middle slot and they just bang it. And then they actually, you know, have to inspire uh, the headlining bands to, you know, step it up a notch, I think. Yeah, because they have so many identifiable hits uh, and they're so good musically, at least to my ears, like you could shut your eyes and, oh, they're, they're playing. It sounds just like the record. Uh, which some people love, some people don't. Um, so, uh, but, you know, I always, you know, there, there's a band I listen to today called Bowling for Soup. Uh, and they're, to me, they're like the, the modern day cheap trick. Like this band should be bigger, but I think they're in that spot. Cheap trick is of being a support act that makes the headliner work. Uh, so okay. I've always heard a lot about Bowling for Soup. I just have never listened to them as as intently it's like i i hear the name i get excited and then i don't follow through so thank you for suggesting bowling for soup i'm gonna go i'm gonna really go check them out now oh i highly do because they're they've got that humor that cheap trick does you know if you've ever seen cheap trick live you know rick nielsen will fire off a few jokes like the last time i saw them at the greek theater uh they stop mid song and Rick Nielsen like goes like this. Like he's looking for somebody. He's like, Hey, there's Blackie Lawless. Blackie park my car and give me keys. Uh, like, he just completely roasted fucking Blackie Lawless, who is a Raiders fan, by the way, we're going to, we're going to get into sports and too. We're never going to really finish that story about the peppermint creeps. Are we? I am. Okay. So, okay. <laughs> we get the gas. Uh, and Eric Singer's looking at the uh, the dollar signs on the uh, the gas thing, thinking, "How can I get a cut of this uh, deal? Uh, maybe a lot of Gene by the gas station." Um, Learn from you, the best. You, yeah, Gene's out. He's out of control. I met him once at a party in Malibu, and you know, obviously, he's a very uh, distinct-looking individual. Uh, not many people are wearing a a leather jacket when it's 105 out but uh he's uh talking to me and the whole time i see he's got his hand by his side but but it's going like this and it didn't and there was a girl right behind him and halfway through this conversation i realized he's fingering this girl (laughs) as he's talking to me and then the conversation's wrapping up and he goes to shake my hand with the girl with the hand he's been fingering this girl with and in his hand, he's got a kiss credit card trying to sell it to me. I'm like, (laughs) wait, I'm being serious, but that's talent. If he could, if he could do that maneuver with a credit card in his hand, or was it the other hand that he had the credit card in? Because if he could, that's like pretty ambidextrous. Well, I think the credit card might've been up her beaver. And uh, (laughs) so, um, I, dude, now I know you were born in the 60s because you just used that word. That just gave it all. That gave the game away right there. 
Well, I'm trying to clean it up. I have not heard that word and that term. Please, Vic, do not go in on the internet and look for an actual B verse just so you can, you know, it isn't a, a sort of swampy animal that does dwell and makes dams as far as I'm concerned. I didn't want to say, yeah, he was fingering. Yeah. All right, I got it, I got it, I got it. I got it. We all got it. <laughs> so we start driving back and you pipe in for the first time all evening. Hey guys, I know this great after party off of Highland. Uh, great. It's, you know, it's kind of neat for me to be with all you uh, famous musicians. Like, you know, it would be like if you were in a car with four famous comics, you know, you know, it'd be kind of neat. So we go to no this doubt. party uh, right by the Hollywood Bowl. I'll never forget, and I might lose some of the people who don't know this area, uh, Highland and Santa Monica area. And it was exactly. like a very weird uh, industrial business with a massive parking lot. And, and of course, you knew the guy at the door. And we go in and there's uh, it's like an ant farm of horny people pit bulls running around a lot of beavers there's probably a lot of beavers (laughs) i mean i thought it was like a combination of being at a party i think that's my ex-girlfriend hello or the Uh, girl that was in the front seat uh, in the front row at the uh alice cooper concert this sunday because there would not we would not do this episode you know without addressing her because she cut off your front row seat yeah i mean i get it people get excited and you know the tickets were reasonably priced uh so i i was having such a good time fine you can sit in front of me and i think she wanted to make love with uh your drummer glenn and i i don't know if he'll see this but i think i cock blocked him because (laughs) she was just staring at him like vincent d'onofrio in full metal jacket uh and she was enamored with the wallet chain that's what it was. You get hypnotized by that wallet chain. Well, I told her, like, I'm like, listen, honey, do you really want to have sex with a guy who wears board shorts and an affliction shirt? <laughs> and she looks at me and goes, yeah. I'm like, hey, whatever. Uh, yeah. By the way, great looking girl. Great body, but look like one of the guys from Leather Wolf. <laughs> what does she moisturize with? Cactus? <laughs> Here's the thing. Every single one of your disparaging comments has been at a drummer. So I feel I feel that you have a history with some sort of drummer. You have some sort of drum, drummer issues. Some people have daddy issues. You have drummer issues. I love Glenn. I, I'm telling you, half the reason I go see you guys, one for you and Nita, you know, because it, it's neat to see friends who you know in such a great gig. But he's such a fun drummer to watch, like, He's a, he's a showman, so I love him. Uh, and he played on the 2006 Shark Island album. Uh, a lot of people don't know that. So wow, good, good, good to bring that thing around. That Richard Black reference, I love it, man. You're, you're good. So we're at this party, and in the side room, you say, "Hey, Skakel, you got to see this band. They're amazing. They're like poison with less talent." And uh, wow. Uh, you said it i didn't uh, i i yeah i don't remember saying anything from about 1988 to 92 so that was a dark period for me i just you know it's all good you're a survivor uh <laughs> you have occasional glass of water now it's nice <laughs> <laughs> oh man only when i come here with my buds you know when, when i'm here with paul and and uh and keith and those guys 
they they turned me back into a frat boy and stuff. But the, the thing is, the way that you might have been not fanboying, but just be happy to be around uh, musicians yeah. on that night. I'm happy to be around comedians. That's why I like having them on the podcast. I, 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 you know, I'm DMing them. I, I'm very happy to go to comedy clubs where we're on the road. Why do you think there is this mutual sort of admiration for each other uh, within comedy and rock and roll? Because I think comics all want to be rock stars. So we respect what you do. Like I have absolutely no musical talent. So I admire you guys, uh, for that and i think i won't say all musicians but i think a fair amount want to be comics because uh it's you know you always want what you don't have uh, you know i would love to play guitar in front of like a sold out greek theater show i i can only imagine the rush that that experience uh gives you and you know maybe you or like i know john mayer's tried to do comedy here's a dude who gets chicks up the yin yang and he still wants to do what I do, which is insane to me. Uh, yeah, yeah. And as a matter of fact, he went on one night at the comedy store before me. And uh, he asked me afterwards, Earl, what'd you think of my act? I said, John, what would you think if I interrupted one of your concerts playing guitar shit? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, you've moved on to a guitar player. That's good. That's good. That's progress. But the thing is, I agree with you. But there, there is this sort of admiration, and and I think sports guys come into it as well because all rock and rollers kind of want to uh, be a bit like sports guys. We admire them, what they can do. But there's a lot of sports guys that want to be up on stage with us. I will say though, of all those three genres, all performance, entertainment type of stuff, you, stand-up comedians, the whole, that whole genre is the hardest gig to 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 be. Well, agree? I would agree with you. Oh, 100% because... Uh, You're by yourself. You, you, yeah, you can be in a bad band and you could, like, if you're the singer or the guitar player and you could look behind at the drummer and go, or the bass player, you, you know, the keyboard player uh, and go, well, they're not keeping up. They're the reason this band sucks. Uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I was at a concert. I, I won't... Well, I'll say it. Say it. And this is not an Eric Singer joke, actually. I, I saw Kiss once with Peter Chris, And, you know, I'm a big fan of the original four. Like like yeah. I said, they were as big as the Beatles at one point when I was a kid. Uh, but Peter was clearly struggling that night because literally every song, either uh, Tommy, uh, Gene, or Paul would, like, turn back and, and give him some kind of instructions because, you know, I don't know what was wrong. Uh so, you know, Tommy, Gene, and Paul that night could say, hey, Peter, Peter was the reason the show wasn't good. Uh, but like last night, if I was bombing, I can't turn around and blame the curtain. You know, it's, <laughs> you know, it, it's on you, which is, you know, the ultimate high risk, high reward when it goes well. Like last night was one of the better sets I've had there. Uh, I'm still high from the performance, like feel good and so it you should you, you you definitely should because um the fact that you were able to overcome uh like just that initial 
that, that that sort of initial sort of one or two minutes it's like you know where people want to shift around they want to shift seats and you're just like and there's noise coming from the hallway but you incorporate it into the set and you know at one point you were saying that you were filming your netflix special and you're like going to be people are going to be watching it and they're not even going to know they're in it until they see it on Netflix. I mean, do you have your, your Netflix special in the works or do you have any of um, where, where can people go see just Earl stand up? Um, you know, what streaming platforms do you have your show on? I mean, uh, there is a special in the works. It's, uh, you know, most comics would lie and say they have seven things going on. Uh, I actually want to do a special like last night where, you know, cause like the joke I said last night, all specials look the same, uh, you know, packed room. Packed. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants that? Uh, <laughs> so, you know, I want people to be on Netflix or wherever the special ends up and go, wait a minute, this is not a packed room. Half the crowd's gone. I'm going to watch this. Uh, and I pitched that once to Comedy Central, and the guy just stared at me. It was like, yeah, our fans aren't that smart. <laughs> so, <laughs> Well, you know, I like it, too. You can be exclusively on YouTube. Exclusively. Yeah. On YouTube. Uh, Why not? I, I mean, I've found some great specials. I found some great comedians that way that, that, that started on that and then obviously moved on to their own specials. But that, that's the way I found Andrew Schultz. That's why I discovered Andrew Schultz years ago, just from YouTube. Um, There's an East Coast comedian called Ryan Long. I don't know if you know him, but very, very funny, dude. Very funny. I found him on just, you know, going through uh, YouTube and stuff. I mean, YouTube is where you can find a lot of clips of me. And, uh, you know, I was on that show Roast Battle on uh, Comedy Central. uh, So you can go on Comedy Central's site and see all my battles and, uh, you know, but YouTube, I have a lot of fun clips, but, uh, you know, to get on Netflix, you have to have a manager or an agent pushing for you. So, uh, that's the next step is to, uh, get an advocate to make those type of phone calls. Cause it's, right. uh, I've gone about as far as I can go on my own in terms of, you know, like just the fact that I got on uh, the comedy store wall on my own with no manager calling for me is I should feel pretty good about that but uh what's well, the you know, skake this the skate the skako legacy isn't it because you know as you you are royalty in in a way because you have a sort of kennedy connection you are related to the kennedys we talked about that really quick so was it was it that skako legacy that uh that got you there but you said it didn't help you with your comedy career though well my aunt ethel is probably one of the most uh powerful women in the world from the standpoint of she could call anyone and they pick up on the first ring um you know she's she's ethel kennedy uh so i've never asked her to hey can you call the head of caa and make (laughs) it happen but she would like that guy or it might be a girl uh they would ethel kennedy on the phone bang yeah i've got my cousin earl he's they don't want to hear that uh so, so, so you you don't think at all there was any sort of calls to Mitzi over at the comedy store to, or maybe Polly Shore got uh, uh, he was bribed to put it on. I don't know. I don't know how that works. You know, well, I got it, lucky. Well, I mean, I got super lucky, and and luck, I'm sure, in the music world too, is plays a, a part. Always plays a part. Um, 
you know, I was opening up for Rob Schneider and then I did some comedy. Hey, oh, uh, <laughs> wow. <laughs> Schneider, Schneider slam. No, I love Rob Schneider. I mean, that guy right. showed me, uh, you know, about nine years into comedy. I'm not going to lie and say I was thinking of quitting because I love it too much to quit. But, uh, you know, I'm like the anvil of comics. I'm never going to quit. Uh, just a little reference for you there. Yeah, uh, little, I love Anvil. And if you have to see that movie, that's a, that's another great movie. Uh, well, it's, a, like. it's a movie about persistence. Like, you know, here are yeah. these guys just plugged away and plugged away. And, and, and they got a Netflix, uh, not special, but documentary. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, so you're going to keep going. No matter yeah, I mean, I, I love it too much. Like, if you do comedy, especially in Los Angeles, for fame or money, you'll quit in a year because there is no money in it. Uh, you have to be in at the clubs, and no one's in at the clubs in, in your first year or two. I mean, it took me 13 years to get past at the store. So, but I, but I even that was luck because when I was opening up for Rob Schneider and I think Arizona, the future booker of the comedy store was working there as a manager. And uh, he came to L.A. and uh, got the job as the booker. And he's like, I'm going to showcase you because I saw you a couple of years ago. And there was a lot of pressure because I'm so loved in the comedy community. Just I don't have one enemy that I know of that everyone was telling him, you got to pass Earl. He's the best. He's been up here forever. He, he works the hardest out of all of us. So he came up to me and he was like, I'm going to showcase you, but I'm not going to pass you just because everyone wants you to be up here, you, you got to deliver. And I probably have the best five minute. I mean, five minutes isn't a set, but, um, you know, I guess in the music world, it would be the equivalent of get, get one song. You better kill it with this one song. And I did. So, uh, you know, yeah. a little bit of luck helped. I love it. How does that work? Because uh, yeah, it, what is the average set is an hour, right? If you're a headliner, you get, you get an hour, but when you're in the clubs, do you have to pack it in like the way Alice Cooper would when we did the Motley Crue tour? We had to just pack everything into a 40-minute set. What would normally be a 90-minute set, we had to pack into 45 minutes. So it's just nothing but the hits, right? And that's right. how – how do you go about trimming all that stuff? Because, you know, and perhaps a lot like a musician, you think – your jokes are like your babies. Everything is good. Every song that you write is a, is a hit song. But how do you distinguish yourself what you feel is the best? Is it by crowd, uh, you know, sort of reaction or is it your gut feeling? Well, it depends. Like if you're in the smaller room, last night I was in the main room. Uh, there's a smaller room called the original room where you get 15 minute sets. Everyone gets 15 minutes, uh, even if you, you're last. Uh, so you have to do a lot of uh, word economy. Um, you know, I guess in the music lingo, if you had a like a, a long solo in the middle of a song, you would cut that out and, and go with the shorter solo. You know, so like that Rocky joke I told last night, you know, which is it can be as long as 20 minutes. <laughs> you, you were threatening. You were definitely threatening because that, that's another thing that light that that red light goes on and. And for those that don't, that don't know, is that a universal thing, a red light for a comedian? And, do yeah. you, and, and, and basically, is it like Pavlovian at one point? You just start to freak out when you see a red light that goes on or you, or you know you just have like three or four minutes. What is the average time when that light goes on that you have to be off stage before your axle rose? 
Well, when you have, <laughs> you mean William Bailey? Come on. Yeah. Get by the way, did you know the real name of Ricky Rocket, the drummer from Poison, is Richard Ream? Uh, why would you do that to your kid? Name him Dick Ream. Out of control. Uh, but then again, another drummer, Earl Skakel, drummer issues. But I want to get back to that red light because it does come on. And is it, can you actually get, maybe you are beloved in the comedy world because you respect the light. What about comedians that don't respect the light and just keep on going? Are they usually like banned or they get a sit down or what happens? Well, you know, when you're in this smaller room and you only have a 15 minute set, you get the light. You're supposed to get off in three minutes. It's like, uh, yeah, that, like that's the original room in that picture of the comedy store. Uh, okay. So you, you get the right, light. Dick. You get, uh, you know, three minutes to wrap it up. But last night, since I was asked to do an hour or close to it, uh, they give you the light at like a half hour just to be like, hey, this is where you're at. Um, and, okay. you know, I'm so loved up there. All the sound guys uh, are like, dude, we'll just give you the light at a half hour, but you can go on forever. Like, you do whatever you want. Um, so, because it gives the time for the waitresses to... Uh, wrap up maybe sell some extra drinks wrap up uh and then you know they can start cleaning the you know the, the room where there's no audience members you know uh so but not a lot of people can do that spot like to do an hour in the main room uh because uh it you know like you saw it, it can be tough you know there's a lot of distractions there's uh the show upstairs letting out so you hear that noise there's the original room noise there's you know the kitchen is right by the main room uh so it's kind of a sign that the booker likes you because she trusts you to handle all that insanity plus follow you know 10 to 12 comics who are all on tv movies uh you know it's it's not an easy spot so uh i'm happy to do it uh but like some road gigs to answer your question about the light. Like if you're in a casino, yeah. they want people gambling. So the shows, the headliner, even someone like Rob Schneider or, uh, you know, Bert Kreischer or whoever, yeah. they're not asked to do more than 45 minutes because the casino doesn't want gamblers in a comedy show where they're not, not spending money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. So, uh, you know, the, the light can mean different things, but you asked uh, people who run the light and there's definitely a few who do. And um, it depends on how big a star they are. Um, you know, there's several comics who will obliterate the light and do. And no respect for the light. They don't respect, no respect the uh, yeah. for the comics who go, you know, it's not so much the comic who goes on after them. You know, it's for like the comic who is scheduled to go on at 1 a.m. They're now literally going on at close to two. Yeah. Or maybe even cut. Maybe even cut. Yeah. I've had that happen to me sometimes. Uh, yeah. Not often, but uh, where the manager will be like, hey, dude, you can do five minutes, but, you know, we got to wrap up. And uh, because I think that it's a domino effect that, you know, there was a girl the other night who did on a 15 minute spot. 47 minutes and whoa it's just whoa. A big, yeah it's it, it's just a big f you to the club to the comics going on after uh yeah. to the wait staff uh but you know 
she's a big star so gotcha. they put up with it so well the thing is i you did say this relationship you have with the sound man and this is all coming back folks to our peppermint creep story because there was a band very similar to the peppermint creeps back in those days that that did have more talent than poison uh more glam sort of looking and i had sent vic a picture of it um uh, hopefully he'll be able to put that up but it's a picture uh no it's not that one vic i know black you're trying to blue. guess yeah it was black and blue but i'm talking about the zeros Yes. And I'm talking about your relationship that you have with the sound or, you know, with the sound technician, Danny there. And I want to talk about, cause you can't, you guys both came to our show on Sunday at the Greek yeah. and the zeros were a great band. And now I know that he runs uh, the sound and he does a bunch of other stuff as well. And the, the zeros just did a reunion show, I think back in the whiskey a couple days ago you were around for that uh i'm giving vic so much time to find that picture i sent now he can't he's looking up and going i can't find it but maybe i didn't send it to him because this is the hangover edition we've been talking almost for an hour with comedian earl skakel and i haven't even brushed into anything i was going to talk about so i'm thinking at one point earl we're going to definitely have to have a part two oh absolutely um, a part two when when we both had well you have good internet but it seems to be like uh vic is my internet cleared up has everything been better okay so um we're definitely going to have a part two though because i don't want to keep it too long we have stuff to do we all have stuff to do i do want to address the the bear in the room not the beaver in the room um also we do have to take a really quick little commercial break i think we'd like to do it for system 12 today if that's possible uh vic and then we'll come back with a few more questions for earl but he's got to get going um alice cooper teddy bear uh he's amassing a huge amount of fans right now from that uh, naked naked shot that uh, vic put up that torso shot a lot of our fans are asking for more of those types of shots and we'll get into your um workout regime but first a word from system 12 all right coming right up Hello, Ryan Roxy here from the Alice Cooper Band, and I'd like to talk a little bit about one of my favorite things, playing guitar. Here at the RGA headquarters, which stands for Roxy Guitar Army, by the way, we've put together a guitar learning system that will get you playing and understanding the guitar faster than any other teaching program out there. We call it the System 12 Guitar Method. It's designed to make the most out of your time, your effort, and your passion for learning guitar. By combining new school technology, old school mentoring, and the number 12, we have invented a new way to teach guitar. And over the past year, we have helped so many people who wanted to start or continue their guitar journey do exactly that. Now, we'd like to help you. There's never been a better time to start learning guitar than right now. If you think it's too hard, the System 12 makes it easy. If you think it'll take too much time, the System 12 will have you playing in 12 weeks. And if you think it's too expensive, the entire System 12 costs less than what one private guitar lesson would cost you at your local music store. Check out the official site or the links below in the description of this video to join the RGA and get started on your guitar journey with the System 12 Guitar Method. Now, let's get back into the trenches for some more rock and roll. Enjoy the show. Enjoy the ride. Mwah! Excellent. There you go. If you ever do want to start learning guitar, uh, I will send that over to you. We're here with Earl Skakel. Uh, just talking, just talking to talk, man. I, I really didn't think it was going to, you know, 
I didn't have much of a script. I'm, I'm hungover for seeing your amazing show. I just wanted to talk about some of the stuff you had done last night, but then and then they, maybe invite you over to a barbecue tonight, seeing what you're up to. Um, I don't know how much time you have for us right now, but is another 10 yeah. minutes okay for you? Are you okay? I see someone in chat saying, I want that teddy bear. Uh, well, go see Alice in concert, and for 40 bucks, you can get one. <laughs> <laughs> or you know what you did wear last night you wore both ryan roxy wristbands on stage and here's the cool thing uh earl was like hey let's take a picture with him i think it'll, it'll get you some good press <laughs> so thank you for that you know yeah. do we have that shot of the two of us with his uh i just sent that over to you too Vic. that i definitely sent you me and me and my producer are yelling at each other right now vicariously it's all right he's great you know, he, he goes well, it's online. A very, uh, it's a very awkward pose because I'm like hugging you, but I'm like going like this. You want to feature the the wristbands. I do love that. That's great. <laughs> you can go to ryanroxy.com and uh, you get the bundles. You could buy two and get some guitar picks and uh, in the trenches t-shirt. And uh, you can also order a limited edition Eric Singer butt plug. There you go. There you go. Back to ES, baby. Um, here's the thing. We got to talk about not so much about Eric Singer, not so much about me, but we got to talk about what you're doing as far as your podcast, um, which we addressed er earlier, earlier, and also your voiceover work. Um, yes. You've been you've been doing a lot of that as well. Uh, tell folks what uh, we they can where they can hear your voice, at least over on the voiceover stuff. Well, if you know the, and I don't know what to call him. I, he's more than just a rapper. Uh, he's like the modern day P Diddy, Tyler, the creator. Uh, Everybody freaked out last night when you, when they when you said that, when you said Tyler, the creator and, you know, because I'm old school, I'm like, yeah, okay. I know, but I don't really know. You well, know? when I met him at the comedy store, uh, we were doing roast battle upstairs and, uh, I was basically the, uh, at the time before I started battling uh, people, I was the uh, kind of the sidekick. And if the, the room hit a lull, I would say something to get the crowd going. And uh, Tyler was sitting in the front row and I was just hammering him uh, on his appearance. And I'm like, hey, everyone, give it up for Roger from what's happening. And uh, <laughs> that was a good reference. That's, that's my school. I was laughing. Everyone's like, What's happening? Rerun. Was it Roger Rerun? It was uh, well, Roger. Roger was the skinny guy, and then Rerun was the fat guy. He is he is Roger from uh, from uh, what's happening. And and wait, there was Roger Rerun, and then there was a third friend. Dwayne. That, 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 du huh? Dwayne. Dwayne. Hey, 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 hey. I love it. Was that uh, Dwayne? That was his line? I thought Rerun's line. The, and there you go. There's Earl Skakel completely giving me some... Um, huge publicity for the ryan roxy wristbands and uh <laughs> and if the teddy bear was in the other hand it might be the perfect shot i don't know well i couldn't afford to lose the teddy bear at 40 bucks so I, the teddy bear <laughs> stayed home out of control 40 bucks this thing costs two bucks to make in china come on get out of here <laughs> all right so so go back to earl the creator and then how the voiceover uh stuff happened so he kind of, it's like I, the story I told on stage, he comes up to me afterwards and he's like, I want you to be my dad. And uh, I had no idea who he was. Like I could literally tell you who the third bass player was in Night Ranger, but I have no, you know, like the last 
current band I got into were the Killers. Uh, so I don't know who like current artists are really. So I'm like, who are you? He's like, oh, I'm sorry, I'm Tyler, the creator. And I literally said to him, great, I'm Earl the comic. Uh, and he's like, I want you to be the dad on my cartoon. And uh, I'm like, what's your cartoon about? He's like, oh, it's a family of five black jellyfish. We adopt a white human. And you have the deepest, most baritone, soulful voice I've ever heard. And I'm a Grammy winner. I know voices. And it's, you know, been three seasons. And he's, it's called The Jellies. And that's me. It kind of looks like me, too. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. I see it. <laughs> and uh, he's just, I can't say enough nice things about him. Uh, like, he's just so humble and, and so good at everything he does. Uh, you know, that's why I kind of compare him to P. Diddy. You know, he has his own clothing line. He has his own store on Fairfax. It's got a line around the block every day. Um, and he, he, he just... He says, please. He says, thank you. Good job. But, you know, even if he didn't like something I did vocally and my voice is so deep, I don't have, I'm not asked to do anything else other than talk, you know, I mean, just be I, you. Yeah. I mean, I can do a high pitched voice, but I'm not going to get paid for it. Um, <laughs> so I, he's just been a dream, but he's so successful that, uh, you know, the cartoon did very good great ratings but he, he moved on to other things and yes. uh so but that's his character like he had a successful show before that on adult swim called the loiter squad he just walked he just i'm gonna do music now and all right then i'm gonna do this cartoon and now i'm gonna do coachella and now i just want a grammy and so uh oh, place man that's great and great that you're part of that legacy uh with the jellies you can check it out um, have you had him on your own podcast, Inappropriate Earl? You know, he, I have not. I would love to. I've had his writing partner and uh, his best friend. Uh, you know, he doesn't roll with a huge posse. He has one. I'm sure he has many friends, but he has one ride or die uh, friend. He is his best friend from school. and uh, But he doesn't really do a lot of promotion. Like, he's kind of almost anti He's like, I'm good at what I do. Here's the product. I'm not going on this podcast or that podcast to shill for it. If you know me, you know it's out. And mm -hmm. he's very, uh, not antisocial, but he, he's, he just keeps to himself. Like he, yeah. you know, he's, he's really. Well, I, think, I think what was lost in, in your complete uh story of Tyler, the creator, and how you got your voiceover gig with the Jellies. What was completely lost is that you did mention um, that you know the third bass player in Night Ranger. Um, th that's, that I, I find hard to believe because I don't think there was three bass players in Night Ranger. And if there was, who is the third bass player? Is it Robbie Crane? That's just my guess. It's going to be Robbie Crane. Robbie Crane, uh, I mean, that guy won't turn down a gig. I mean, if we called Robbie Crane right now and said, hey, <laughs> you know that comic Earl Stakel? He's doing a polka version of Rat. He'd be like, well, where's the studio? Uh, I mean, he's like Stallone in the mid-'80s. He didn't turn down any scripts. Uh, but but you were you were fibbing a little bit about Night Ranger having three bass players, because I think the only bass player they've ever had is also the lead singer. Yeah, but they did a few ghost musicians in the studio. I mean, come on. I mean, we all know Jean Beauvoir, uh, by the way, who still owes me money. 
was uh, the bass player on Animal Eyes and Asylum. Oops. Oh, just... and, and the Plasmatics. Don't oh, I love them. No. But, like, we all know he was in the Plasmatics, but, you know, if you look, listen, that's probably Singer calling me right now. Out of control, <laughs> this kid. He's uh, like, uh, see, Eric Singer doesn't use Alexis. He used Tommy. He, Tommy, call Earl Skakel. Um, <laughs> but, uh, or, 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 or what did you say last night? You referred to him, the guy that they dress in Ace Frehley's outfit? <laughs> I mean, what is this, the Jewish Menudo? I mean, because, you know, I'm not saying KISS fans aren't the most well-together people, but so I, I had a KISS concert recently, and it's Tommy and uh, Eric, and the guy next to me is so blasted. He's like, man, Ace has never looked better. I'm like, yeah, he hasn't. <laughs> Get this guy out of here. Um, well, it must be that he must follow the same workout regime that you do uh, to get in shape for all those photos. And and my question to you is, is that where your love of sports comes in is because you're so in, you know, you were so in love with your own body and working it out and making it look good. That got you into sports because I know you're a huge, huge uh, like hockey in particular, right? Yeah. Well, I love hockey because there's uh, Mark Pavlich from team USA. Um, that's a nice picture poll. Um, but, uh, well, I, Kyle I like, looks, Kyle looks a little like Richard Black from Shark Island. If you really think about it, pick, pick, go back to that picture. You never seen those two in the same room together and he's probably well, doing some moves. I mean, I'm telling you last week, I, cause I really going back to Shark Island. <laughs> <laughs> we, and we're going to eventually end up at Peppermint Creeps. That's how we'll end the podcast, I believe. But going back to Shark Island, please do tell. Because the first song, you know, the rest of the band is out there. And they started like 20 minutes late. So it's like 1230. And like, I get it. You want to make an appearance and make it like people wait a little bit. So the rest of the band's like, I wouldn't say jamming, but they're, you know, humming their instruments. And then here comes Richard Black. Just... Yeah, yeah. Get that Wi-Fi all messed up, Vic. And I'm telling you, it's like, he, you know, the rumor is that at Richard Black walked in once on Axl Rose watching uh, VHS tapes of his, I guess they're... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm, I'm being serious. Like, no, <laughs> did that really happen? That, I don't know. That, it, that's urban really? legend. That's total. I don't know, maybe. I mean, I they say... So. I, uh, they because this is back when Shark Island, I think they were called the Sharks at the time. They were uh, definitely called the Sharks, yes. And and, and Richard Black, um, the reason why I got a pair of white Capizios, uh, which, you know, if anybody knows what Capizios is, then you definitely grew up in the 1980s. The reason why I got a pair of white Capizios was because that's what Richard wore on stage as well. You know what they are? Do you know what oh, Capizios is? Okay, okay, all right. Gonna, what are you going to ask me next? Do I know what members only is? Get out of here, man. <laughs> Parachute pants. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, I got the whole thing. So getting back somehow to sports and your love of it, what got you into hockey? Well, it's funny. Like back in the late 70s and early 80s, the L.A. Kings, they weren't on TV in the local uh, L.A. market because, uh, you know, it's just – Sports in the late 70s and early 80s, you got to remember, this is at a time when the NBA finals were on tape delay after local news. Uh, so, And that's yeah. what basketball got treated. So you can imagine hockey is going to get the worse treatment than that. But somehow I got the New York Ranger games on cable. 
we had the New York, uh, it was called WOR. And uh, so I became a Ranger fan and they had this player who I oddly enough speak to on Facebook now, which, which totally blows my mind. Uh, his name was Barry Beck. And this is at a time where players didn't wear helmets. Uh, and he had this Afro and he was the biggest player in the league and he was, he was the best fighter and, and he, he was a great body checker. And I just became obsessed with him. And then, uh, he's, know, the, a, he's what they would call uh, a, a goon or a, no, he was a good player too. Like he was probably, uh, the police, best. a policeman, a policeman, well, a goon. No, but well, a goon is someone like say, uh, See, like a, a Joey Koser who Ty, Ty Domi, Ty Domi Ty would, be would be a goon. Uh, Bob Probert, uh, you know, who was the kid, probably the number one fighter of all time, but he was also a really good player. Uh, so I, I started focusing in on Barry Beck and then the Rangers as a whole, and then I just fell in love with the sport because it's uh, hockey players are just they're a different breed of tough, like uh, they play with <laughs> broken legs. Uh, yeah, there's Barry Beck. And he kind of looks like me back in the day. Um, yeah. You know, they're just, you know, you see like Dwight Howard of the Lakers can't play because his pinky hurts. Uh, <laughs> hockey players play with broken hands. Uh, like, so I just, I love the grittiness of the sport uh, yeah. Yeah. more so than others. And it's still hot to see hockey live. I say it's like a kiss concert, like, you know, and I mean, I'm being completely serious for once. Uh, like you see Kiss, or you hear a Kiss record and really any record, you, I don't know how you as a musician think of them, but like as a fan, I'm just, okay, this is a cool song. But then you see it live with the bombs and the explosions and the lasers and flying out over the crowd and the drum riser going to the arena. You're like, this is the best song I've ever heard. Um, that's kind of like hockey live. Hockey live is just the energy you got to see a game live. Yeah, yeah. yeah. My, 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 my first hockey game ever was uh, Bethany actually took me to that, uh, to my first hockey game in New York City. It was uh, New York Rangers versus the LA Kings. And I was hooked ever since then, you know. Um, again, one of, those, one of those things that you have to watch live to really, really appreciate it. Just like probably like a Kiss concert, an Alice Cooper concert. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors, folks. You know that. Yeah, but I love Alice on, on on the records too. Like, like you know me, my favorite song is probably "House of Fire." <laughs> and uh, <laughs> no, I just love. I don't know why. I just I, I think the video I I've always loved. Um, and uh, he did. Should I, should I tell him what 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 you did and and what what we didn't do because we're idiots? Well, I, I tried to make it happen, but there was a deal set in place that you offered. Five thousand dollars cash if we would play House of Fire at the Greek Theater. But what was there another contingency too? Was it did we have to do it like? Oh no! I you know I just uh, uh, I was be completely serious, and I'm sure if you went to Alice and said, "Hey, I got this comic friend. He wants to hear House of Fire for five grand." I'm sure that's not a lot of money to Alice, but you know I don't know how it would be divvied up. Uh, I was willing to split it with with all five members of the band, and then and then maybe have Alice pull a favor. But you know, a lot of crazy shit happened that last week of on, on our tour. But happy to say that our you know you got you were able to see the full lineup. Um, 
Nita's knee, she had jacked her knee the a couple shows before. I mean, it was it, it was insane that like uh, she couldn't walk the day before the Greek show, and then she's running around all over the Greek. So I'm very happy that we were able to end leg one of the tour before we go off to Europe on on a high note and with all the full lineup. So you were able to see that as well. Well, I mean, it was an amazing. I'm I've seen you guys now with this current lineup. Uh, probably five or six times uh and i i've never seen a bad show like and uh, you guys look like your friends like you guys look like you're having fun and uh it's so that makes it fun for me uh you know like i uh sat front row for your guys show it in anaheim at uh, motley crew and uh I thought you guys were better than them. I know you can't really probably agree or whatever. No, I appreciate you saying that, but I, I, I thought there were certain nights that that uh, we brought our A game. We did as much as we could. We tried to bring our A game every single night. And just like being that middle slot, that good support band, hopefully it, it uh, gave Motley some inspiration to go out and do some kick-ass shows because they did some great sh- – you know, they did so many great shows uh, on that, you know, two-year tour that we ended up doing with them so that was just i, I think back about it go what man that was a perfect bill for us to be on i wish we were on it again to be honest with you but uh, you never know never say never and uh, being a friendly atmosphere that we have uh within the band we have a friendly atmosphere in the uh, chat room which is on our uh ryan roxy a youtube official channel thank you guys uh, each and every week for showing up and being part of the podcast in fact so much that we uh try to reward people that have been in the podcast and, and been supporting it with our fan of the week and this week's fan of the week we have a little special guest for vic run it run it run it now he doesn't have it i sent it to you bud it's in your emails friend that's why we Sandra Oglies. Oh, she's not there. Now, okay, it's Sandra Oglies. Oh, <laughs> Federica's freaking out because she made a sign for Sandra. And you know what? It's okay, folks. This is the hangover episode of In the Trenches. So, you know, maybe not. Not. It's. it's I'm going to take it. I'm going to take it on the chin. It's all my fault. It's me drink. It's going out to see Earl Skakel last night at the clubs where Earl doesn't drink. He doesn't do drugs. He just does fucking kick-ass comedy. But he inspired me and my buds to go out and have a couple cocktails. And now I'm paying the price for it. So, uh, Sandra, you're going to be our fan of the week next week as well. And next week, our guest. Do we have that, Vic? Give me a thumbs up. We don't. Okay, great. This is awesome. We're going to have part two as well um, with Earl Skakel because he's been gracious enough to spend so much time. Um, we've barely even scratched the surface of, um, well, we scratched the surface of Eric Singer a lot during the episode, but we never got back when all is said and done to, did we see the peppermint creeps? We did. So, we, you know, that party. <laughs> was uh, it's hard you had to be there because there were so many side rooms and and just people walking around in the days and you finally find the room that the peppermint creeps are playing and you're like skakel you got to see this band and uh listen i'm not a musician i can't critique someone's musical abilities but i'll just say this the drummer from the peppermint creeps he made the guy from Def Leppard look like an octopus. Uh, 
out of control. Uh, that's what they used to call uh, the original drummer of the Alice Cooper band. Uh, like Neil a, Smith? Neil Smith, exactly. They called him, um, Bob Ezrin said, uh, he's like, watching Neil Smith play drums is like watching an octopus fall out of a tree. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do have two, my, my two fondest memories of that Anaheim show was, uh, you know, I was dating this new girl and, you know, I bought the front row tickets and then they had a side bonus for $500 each. You could meet Alice after the show. And I'm like, you know, my comedy's doing pretty good. Probably not a lot of people can afford that. So we'll basically be alone with this legend. And it worked out. So I paid 500 each. So another $1,000 on top of the concert tickets. So after you guys get off stage, we run back there to the, the meet and greet. And there's like three people there. So uh, he, he meets the first person and then my girlfriend at the time. And then I thought, I'm going to try and be funny right now. So I, you know, someone escorts me to Alice and he's very nice and he, extends his hand i'm like hey alice it's great to meet you for 500 bucks <laughs> did he like it or did he it get was, it uh it was this like not that yeah. uh then, it was uh, yeah okay okay best time to meet alice coopers when uh you're in a mall somewhere in america and you know wherever your local mall is go check out alice and go and probably hit hit an h&m or a hot topic one of those two and then the second memory is when Motley Crue comes out, first song, Vince Neal's already looked like he's ran an ultra marathon. Uh, <laughs> he gets to the front of the stage, and I think Shout at the Devil was the first song, and he, he puts the mic over my head. Like, I could touch his leg. I was as close to him as I were you the other night. And he's, he, wa he wants me to start singing the song. I'm like, hey, bro, this ain't karaoke. Like, <laughs> I paid $12.50 a pop. To, to hear you sing it. Yeah. To hear your voice sing it. Well, and then my favorite memory of that show is at one point, Nikki Six has a canister on his base. I don't know what that's for. And he starts firing confetti over the crowd. Oh, cool. That's a, that's a cool thing. And then someone does pyro from the ceiling. Uh, You know, who sees this as a good idea where you're dropping <laughs> paper on the crowd and Nikki yes. Six... It got fire, or uh, the fire was coming from his base, and the confetti was being dropped from the ceiling. Uh, I don't think this is a good idea. No, no, that you know what that could create, Earl. That could really create a uh, house of fire. There, there we go. Thank and you, scene. and scene. The I, I think we have to go out on that. Uh, with Hold on, part one, one with Earl. Oh, shoot. There's, here it comes. We might have a live appearance by um, uh, Eric Singer. I think he's come to Earl's house. And there you go, friends. You're not you're not uh, hallucinating. That is. Oh, well, we have a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of things going on that's happening. It's crazy. Uh, that was now, now it's not happening. Oh, it is happening. Oh, it's Desmond Child. We have. This is the Hangover episode. It's not just me. Everybody's hungover. There's Desmond Child in his solo album. He's got the CD to prove it. And we have a, we have a fan of the week to prove it. Sandra Oljays, we are going to give you this week and next week because we will do it 
more proper next week, I guess. But then there's back to Glenn Sobel's kitchen. No, it's, it's Earl Skagel's kitchen. Things are going crazy here on the podcast. We love it. Um, Earl, right before we end part one, because I got to have you on for part two. You're too easy to talk to. And there's too much stuff. You know, there's too much to talk about uh, that we have from here on out. But where can the good people find you? What's your favorite social media? I'm on uh, www.gayman.org. Uh, Wait a second. Oh, we don't have that one written down. We I'm have not, them all right yeah. there. <laughs> uh, it's really simple. Like the uh, graphics say, I'm at Earl Skakel at everything. Uh, and uh, if you, after you listen to In the Trenches, if you still like more rock and roll talk or pro wrestling, you could uh, find Inappropriate Earl on uh, SoundCloud and iTunes. And, uh, you know, uh, Comedy Store. And uh, I'm going to start hitting the road a little bit more. And uh, please watch The Jellies on Adult Swim, HBO Max, or the Cartoon Network. So, and somebody, uh, please, you know, for the love of God, please, somebody DM Earl in the next couple hours and tell him how to turn his notifications off on a MacBook Pro, okay? There is a feature that you can do. I don't know how to do it myself, but just explain to him. Give him a tutorial on how to turn notifications off so Eric Singer can stop bothering our uh, complete broadcast. I mean, I'm telling you, I don't know. I'll, I'll guess that Eric Singer contracted all those illegal T-shirt vendors uh, at the Greek last <laughs> Sunday. I mean, I, they, that joke bombed last night. But I'm telling you, I, I've never seen so many people. I, I, I mean, can I ask you a serious question? Please do. I, I, I'm, I swear on my uh, comedy career, I'm being serious. Don't you guys have like, uh, like not a security guy, but like, because I'm an artist. I, and I think people should pay you know, for this T-shirt I'm wearing, uh, for the teddy bear. Uh, for Although your that T-shirt you are wearing is a, is that an official one? But it's a one yes. of a kind, right? What is that one? Is, is it hand-painted, that one? And then... Uh, wait, 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 wait. Where is that T-shirt from? Is that really from the 8788 tour? Yes. Uh, so it's vintage. Yeah, this T-shirt, and I, I don't... I could probably sell this on eBay uh, for $500, uh you know, because it's a it's a true uh, it, it's it's older than any girl I would date. Hello. <laughs> I was just thinking, is it is it is that uh, Kane Roberts? Is he a little bit of inspiration for you to have the body that you have? It's definitely not Gene Simmons. So is it is 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 it is it Kane Roberts back in the day that might have inspired you to get in the gym? Well, I used to work out at the same gym he did. Uh, I've never officially met him, uh, but they had a huge poster of him at Gold's Gym. I think it was in uh, North Hollywood, and it said, no pain, no cane. And um, <laughs> I mean, I, I, no, I mean, I, since I don't do drugs, uh, yeah. working out is my Prozac, I guess. Uh, mm. I, I don't know if that's an accurate uh, or fair description, because uh, like when I had, that's me after an open mic. Um, <laughs> so I, you know, like I used to have a fear of flying, and uh, I, you know, I could. Most of my friends who do have a fear of flying or just don't like flying, they'll take a Xanax or medicate in some form, weed and edible. And since I can't do that, um, you know, I have to do like yoga or something to like 
calm my nerves or, or whatever, I, I'd probably kill myself. And I'm not even trying to be funny, you know. But you told me a very interesting story of how that all came about because that you, it was very simple. And maybe this is a good way to go out with a good parenting tip because the reason why you don't do drugs or alcohol and it's stuck with you all these years is why. And you told me this story last night. I remember that. Well, I come from a pretty big family, uh, two brothers, two sisters. So I'm the fifth, I'm the baby. And uh, you got to remember that, Jesus, out of control. That's, that's probably, it's Eric uh, uh, that, wait, that's Tommy Thayer. Earl, what kind of energy <laughs> drink do you want? Um, uh, so you got to remember, this is the 80s where, you know, doing cocaine in the 80s is like saying you have a podcast uh, now. Um, yep. And my mom, uh, and I were very, very close. That's oh my god. <laughs> Where did he find that? Where did he find that? Because he's a stalker, Vic. He's he moonlights as a stalker. He's great. Well, we'll reenact that Snoopy picture. Do it, do it. Put it back. Uh, <laughs> can we do a side by side? Can you do a side by side, Vic? I don't know. No, th th this is. If, if we do that, we're gonna get next week's guest on. I know yeah. that. <laughs> um, so we were so, very, very close, and uh, my mom, I think. Uh, and I love my brothers and sisters. Uh, you know, my sister graduated top of her class at Stanford with John Elway. I mean, she was at the top. Uh, and, and all my other brothers and sisters are successful in their fields. Uh, but my mom, I think, wanted to see if she can maintain one pure child. So she says, Earl, if you don't drink, I'll get you the car of your choice. Within reason. Uh, and so when I turned 18 she took me to the bmw dealership in santa monica and i'll never forget i'm in the lobby waiting with peter satara uh the singer from chicago chicago yes yes and solo artist great solo oh, artist. I, would, um, I, th I think robbie crane played bass in that solo band but i'm not sure Can't when be. he was five years old uh, <laughs> it was incredible he was a prodigy and uh so the the guy takes me into this warehouse of bmws that I'm sure it was only 50 cars, but at the time, you know, you're 18, uh, you know, I was a virgin. I, I, this was like the greatest experience of my life. And the guy just looks at me and goes, pick. And <laughs> I see this bright red BMW. And I'm like that. And so my mom signs the paperwork and, and she, you know, to see her pay, I think it was $25,000. You know, it was, it was like this, her hand. And she left, uh, she had gotten a ride there and she said, go home. And I was so excited. I drive off the lot and this is in Santa Monica. My parents lived in Bel Air and about halfway there, tremendous amount of smoke starts pilfering through the back of the car, like a kiss concert had broken out. <laughs> drunk. I'm panicking. I finally get to my house. My dad, who was like this gigantic man, uh goes what the hell's this he looks in he's like i, I don't want to swear on the podcast but he said you effing idiot you've got the emergency brake on so i drove oh yeah 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 i drove probably five to six miles with the emergency brake on <laughs> <laughs> on the new car yeah oh man okay so two life lessons that you we, we've learned uh 
if you if you are getting the car of your dreams, don't drive five miles with the emergency brake on. And uh, if you do uh, not want your kids to drink or do drugs, apparently just buy them the car, the BMW of their choice. That's those are good life lessons to have. I well, think. it worked because you know I at that point I was like, well, eighteen years with no booze or, or drugs. Uh, I've gone this far. And and then you know I because all my friends in comedy. And I know we got to wrap it up, but they're like, Earl, you're so funny sober that I would love to see you not a little bit high. So your creative juices could like your mind expanded. And, you know, I've had people, famous comics want me to take mushrooms or I think the new thing now is ketamine, uh, like how people take ayahuasca to open up your mind. They're like, dude, if your mind could be opened up just a little bit, you'd be on TV every night. But, uh, you know, I just, you know, I, you I think, yeah, at 53, I think it'd be a pretty dumb move to start taking drugs. Yeah. yeah. You know what, Earl, if you do, if you continue not to do anything like this, I will be like your mom. Um, if you continue to go on this no drinking, no drugs pattern to be an inspiration for us all, um, I would love to introduce you to Kane Roberts. Would you like that? Would that be a good deal? I would love to, and I would love to, uh, you know, to take it to another level. You know, I'm a comic. You're never satisfied. You think this guy's a Kane Roberts fan. I'm going to introduce him to him. His life is complete. That you have a guitar with you, and we sing, Does Anyone Fall in Love Anymore? Wow. song off of Saints and Sinners. Thank you. Which I do not, I can't just pick up a guitar and play it i gotta tell you i can do roses on white lace because that's the song that's in the set list right now that's about it well you did a teenage frankenstein that's kane roberts era yeah yeah uh, hey stupid wasn't that as well i think that was al petrelli Mm -hmm. had moved on all right all right we're not going to go down that rabbit hole we just got out we had good life lessons um one more time if you want to get in touch with earl and give him advice about turning off his notifications and uh all ringers and bells go check out those uh right there if you are listening to us on the audio broadcast you can definitely check out our youtube official channel which we have all the visuals right there uh hey man This has been one of those episodes where I will look back on it with a smile on my face. I'm going to have part two with you, Earl. Who knows? Maybe you have a guest appearance by Kane Roberts. Uh, Next week's guest will be Susie Michelson. Looking forward to that. That'll be May 6th. Uh, We will talk more about that later. Thank you very much, Vic. Thank you, Federica, for being part of it. But most of all, thanks to everyone here that has been part of uh, the chat. Go spread the word. Earl Skakel, any parting words for our guests until you come back for part two? Uh, first of all, thank you. Dude, I've always been a huge fan of yours. And uh, thank you for, you know, uh, like I said last night on stage, I don't do, uh, I don't go to comedy shows because I want to do comedy. Uh, so for me to get to see you guys play in concert, not just at the Greek, but, you know, in Anaheim and, and all the other times, it, it, you, you make my life... Uh, as a comic, it's good to just be in a room for two hours and not think about comedy. Uh, so it, it's like, go see Alex. Uh, like, it's an amazing show. And, like, I marvel at uh, the the tightness of your band and, and, like, Alice being, I think, 74. And, like, his voice didn't crack once. Uh, like, it, it, you walk away going, I got my money's worth. And very few shows and very few bands you can say that about. 
So uh, thank you for entertaining me all these years. Huge endorsement. Thanks so much for check uh, for checking out the show and everybody else. Hopefully we'll be able to see you in Europe in the coming weeks and then back for leg three in the U.S. back in September and October. Um, but in the meantime, anytime you're in Los Angeles or if you see Earl Skakel on the road, make sure you check that out because you know what? Just to go in and listen to his comedy is a great, great break for anybody, whether you're a musician, uh, athlete, or if you're Eric Singer. It doesn't matter. Earl Skakel uh, will entertain you. Thanks for being on the podcast. Thanks for taking the time. And of course, anytime you want to come uh, listen to some good podcasting, go check out uh, Earl's podcast or check out my podcast as well next week. And uh, thanks again, team. Uh, I'm Ryan Roxy. Until next time, enjoy the ride. Have a good one, man. In the Trenches with Ryan Roxy. Hello. Moby, give him his guitars back.